What is going on, everybody? Hopefully, you guys are doing well out there. That's right. We are back here on the Sports Card Show of Program. It's been a while, Ben. Well over six, I think last show we did was in June or July of last year. So it's been quite a while since we've last joined you here on the program. And quite frankly, a lot has happened in the sports card market over that time. Probably don't need to run down all the news, but more broadly, product, unopened boxes, especially at like Target and Walmart. Target and Walmart have like had to change how they've like sell the product. They've been putting it behind the counter. They're limiting you to like one per box. There's just been a rush on that type of thing. The other thing that we've seen kind of a mad rush to is high-end cards. We've seen Michael Jordan cards. Obviously the Last Dance documentary came out. It's kind of like right in the height of like COVID-19 lockdowns and stuff like that. And we've seen just his cards just soar during that time but really just over the last month or two we've actually seen the card prices go up even further I believe his rookie card like broke a- another record just recently and there really no news on the back of Michael Jordan modern day stuff has just been selling like hotcakes as well from uh, Luca to Fernando Tatis to just about anything modern has been selling incredibly well as well, uh, on top of just the incredible box prices, unopened wax prices that we've seen there. There's a complete shortage of trading card supplies. If you're in that business like I am, I have been selling one touches for $10 each. This is something with a $1.14 to $2.20 cost. I've been getting upwards of $10 each or regularly just for one touches. Uh, so it's just been incredible. There's obviously been lots of other news out there. We've had major investments in websites like star stock we've had check out my cards really struggle with the fulfillment of their website they struggled with COVID-19 they struggled I think with uh, managing that and uh, you know whether or not they're they're coming back we'll see there's just been a lot of news. We also had news recently. eBay created its own little special envelope for trading cards. I think it's like under 20 or $30. You can mail a card out with tracking, I think for like 75 cents. There's just been a lot of things happening in this industry. We could just run down them all. We could have like a five-hour show here since we haven't had a show in a while. But uh, I'm just going to narrow in on one topic. And it was sparked. I was watching a YouTube. I watch a lot of YouTube now because that's primarily what we'll do. I'll talk about later in the show. Uh, I'll talk about whether or not we'll have more show, more here, more podcasts here on the Sports Card Show podcast. What I've kind of been up to, and uh, whether or not I'll have time to do more of these. But I watch a lot of YouTube these days because that is actually my primary income source is by posting videos to YouTube. And so I think one of the best ways. Uh, to supplement that is actually watch YouTube a lot because you you learn a lot about videos and, and, and whatnot. But anyways, I came across, you know, you go down a rabbit hole on YouTube, I ran into Vegas Dave. Vegas Dave, if you're not, I'm sure most of you guys are listening to this or familiar with him. But um, in a nutshell, he bought the, the Mike Trout Super Refractor, I think, a few years ago for a couple hundred thousand. I think he paid like $400,000, which was a lot, which is a lot of money. It doesn't matter when that is for a baseball card or a house or anything. But when he bought it it was a pretty big price tag especially for a modern card and a few years later i think he sold that card for like three over three million dollars maybe four million dollars and he pretty much predicted the whole thing and he just posted a youtube video basically saying that the trading card market is going to collapse 
within the next two or three years. So what this podcast is basically going to be, is kind of a reaction video. So what I'm going to do, whether or not you've seen the Vegas Dave uh, video or not, I'll put a link to it in the description below. But what I'm going to do here is I'm going to play. I'm going to basically play the entire video. I'll cut out some of the, the clips where he might just kind of be rambling on like we kind of do here on the Sports Card Show podcast. But I'll cut Vegas Dave out in there. And uh, basically, I'll play a clip of it and then I'll pause it. And then I'll come on here and I'll tell you kind of what I think, what my perception of that is, and whether or not I agree with him or disagree him. Now, his video is just like YouTube kind of, uh, you know, wants you to do. He kind of attacks Gary Vee in this, but I think that was really just his play to get views. I think if he put up a video where it says the sports card trading market's going to collapse, I, I don't know how well that video would have done. I mean, he's got lots. He's got 40,000 subscribers. Believe it or not, I have almost twice as many of, as Vegas Dave does on YouTube. Uh, but he attacks Gary Vee. He says, Vegas Dave versus Gary Vee is the title of the video. The sports card market is going to collapse. It's about a 15-minute video. We'll see how long this podcast ends up being. But just really quick, before we jump into Vegas's Dave video and we talk about whether or not the sports card market is going to collapse or not, I just want to say, I hope this video... or hope this uh this podcast finds you in good health i hope you've had a last good couple of years and uh or a last good couple of months and all is well with you so let's jump right into a vegas dave's video vegas dave versus gary v the biggest topic in the sports card industry right now who's right who's wrong remember it was me three years ago that predicted the market would boom. And now I'm the first person in the world to tell you this market's gonna collapse by the end of 2024. I'm gonna be right and Gary's gonna be wrong. Watch this video and find out why. Okay, so first thing Vegas Dave does is kind of hedge himself by saying the sports card market's gonna you know, collapse by, I think it said 2024 or something like that. And so he gives himself about three years. And here's what I gotta say to that is, first of all, the sports card market could collapse by 2024, but how much will it go up by during that time frame? Okay, yeah, maybe it collapses 50% in 2024, but if it goes up 300% from now until 2024, well, guess what? It's still a good investment. I hear the same thing about Bitcoin. I've heard the same thing for probably over a decade about Amazon stock. Heard the same thing all the time about Tesla stock. People constantly want to say something is going to collapse. The real estate market, it doesn't matter what it is. And they often give a little time frame. Hey, it's going to do it by this time frame. But more often than not, the asset that they predict to go down, it, it does end up going down, but it often goes up a huge amount over that time frame. So let's just start things off with that. Before I tell you why the sports card industry is going to crash, let me tell you a little bit about my history. It was me that bought the Mike Trout Superfractor for $400,000 and two years later flipped it to $4 million. Over $3.5 million flip in under 24 months. That sale alone blew up the sports card market. It made that market go from a hobby to a business that brought all types of investors in the industry because people now saw the industry as something where you can make money from and not just a hobby. All right, so you have taken the sports card world by storm. I mean, when I first got into the game, everybody was talking about what you were doing. You are the loudest, most prominent voice in the sports card space. Hold, hold on a second. The loudest and most prominent voice in the sports card space. We all know who that is. It's me. 
here at the Sports Card Show podcast. No, I'm kidding. But, uh, you know, Vegas Dave did, did bring up some good point. He did predict a trout. And now they're playing like a clip that he had on an interview. I think this guy is just kind of licking his nuts a little bit uh, why he brings him on. Vegas Dave is is far more prominent in the sports betting world and, uh, and other parts of the economy, not necessarily just trading cards. I invested in two people, Mike Trout and Derek Carr. And a lot of people say, oh, I'm only making a video because I'm mad at Derek's car production and Derek's car values. Guys, you have it all twisted. I'm making more money and higher percentages off Derek Carr's than Mike Trout. With Mike Trout, eight to 10 times my money. On cars, they were three to $500 this year. Their cards are selling from 15 to $20,000. And there's over 30 recorded sales of these cars all over the world. So this is where he lost me a little bit. It's like, okay, you bought a trout for 400,000 and turned it into 4 million. And now you're talking about 30 Derek cars that you might've bought for a couple hundred dollars. And now you're selling for tens of thousands of dollars. Yes. The percentage gains uh, might be there. And I don't know, can we go and fact check that on, uh, I'm sure you can go to Terapeak or eBay or something like that. Are Derek cars really selling for 20 or 30 or $40,000? If that is true, then he probably is right. This sports car, especially the modern card market is going to crash because Derek Carr, while he's a good player, uh, you know, look, you got Mahomes, you got Brady, you got, uh, you know, Aaron Rodgers, you got a plethora of other quarterbacks, Lamar Jackson out there that I think collectors are salivating over before Derek Carr. But uh, maybe I'm wrong about that. So a lot of people say I'm pumping and dumping car guys. I'm holding cars for another two to three years. That's my vision. It's always been my vision with Derek Carr. Let me tell you, I want to save this market. I want to save this industry. I still have over a million dollars invested in this industry. So the whole point of this video is to tell you what's going to happen and hopefully we can prevent it from crashing. So everybody in the sports card industry is talking about Vegas Dave versus Gary V. And I think it's so crazy and it's also amusing to me that people put up polls and they say 98% Gary V. Ha ha only 2% believe Vegas Dave. Guys, you guys are idiots. You are sheep. You are polling people in the sports card industry. Of course they're going to say they want the market to go up. Of course they're going to believe it's going up because they all, they all have money invested in it. It's like if Trump and Biden go to a Republican state and say, who do you think is going to win? And they ask a poll, they're all going to say Trump in a Republican state. They go to a Democratic state say, and say and do a poll, who's going to win? Who's right? Of course a Democratic state is going to vote for Biden. This is stupid. It's a no-brainer. So here's one of the first really good points I think that uh, Vegas Dave makes is that the sports card world and and Twitter, especially if you're putting these polls on Twitter, it tends to be an echo chamber. Okay, it doesn't matter if you're talking about politics or the weather or trading cards. It tends to be an echo chamber, and people tend to put up things that where they want to like just confirm their own biases. And so I totally agree. I think if you were to ask anybody inside trading cards, even to the slightest degree, where they think it's going, where do you think it's heading, especially the people that may have been in the game for a while where that we're seeing things just red hot, then certainly you're, you're going to form your opinions that way, but go ask some Joe blow on the street, what they think of trading cards. They're probably going to not know any idea what's going on inside this business. Look, there's lots of things that are just popping. You can look at the watch business. You can look at real estate. Just go look at real estate over the last six to 12 months. Okay. Let alone anything else, let alone the stock market, let alone Tesla stock or anything else, a Bitcoin. It a lot of things are just absolutely skyrocketing. So it really is not necessarily unique to trading cards. 
And whether or not it's all going to blow up or just trading cards or just Bitcoin or just the stock market or whatever it is, you know, it, it, that is certainly up for debate. But he brings up a good point that the trading card industry is kind of an echo chamber. And quite frankly, a lot of you guys need to be told who to collect, who's good, what product to buy. Should you bid on this? Should you buy this? Should you open it? Should you keep it sealed? Should you do this? Should you do that? Should you sell on check out my card? Should you stop selling? on eBay. I get the questions all the time. And look, I get some of you guys are kind of new to this business. Some of you guys are kind of new to the, the industry, or maybe you just like having conversation, but the sports card industry is filled with a bunch of people that need to be told what to do, need to be told what to buy, what to sell, where to sell it, how much to sell it, who to grade it with, what's its grade, all the, etc. etc. And so I think the sports card industry would be, you know, would do better. If there was more decision makers inside the hobby that were making decisions for themselves. Listen, if you want real people to give you real answers, why don't you go outside the sports card industry and pull other savvy investors such as Mark Cuban. If you look at what Mark Cuban said recently, he agrees with me. He agrees with Vegas Dave saying the market will fall apart and that's why he's liquidating some of his sports cards. Okay, so hold on a second. I don't have the press release out in front of me, but I saw this come across one of my Twitter feeds or something like that. But Mark Cuban, I think along with Kevin Duran and a couple other people, just bought golden auctions for like $40 million. So maybe what Mark Cuban was doing was eliminating a conflict of interest. If he was going to, uh, you know, have trading cards and then invest in a place that sells them, maybe he was eliminating. I, I mean, I wasn't, uh, you know, privy to what Mark Cuban had as a collection. I didn't even know that he collected baseball or basketball cards or whatever kind of cards, but it's possible that he might've had to liquidate those so he could buy an auction house to sell them. If if you think Mark Cuban thought that the industry was going to implode over the next three years, would he have really just bought an auction house? I'm not sure about this one, Vegas Dave. As I stated before, I was the one that predicted the market was going to boom. I made that video three years ago when I bought the Mike Trout Super Fractor for $400,000, and I told you to break the Honus Wagner record. In less than two years, I executed that plan and that vision. People can laugh at me now. But in 10 years from now, this card will be worth five to $10 million. Mark my words, I know what I'm doing. It was me that predicted the market, not Gary. Gary predicted the market would boom a year after that video. So I'm making the prediction here on the Rich Eisen show that sports cards is an incredible alternative investment for the next three to five years. Yeah. Okay, so Vegas Dave played a clip of himself saying that in 10 years, his trout was going to be worth four or five million dollars. And he was actually correct about that. It was worth four or five million dollars over the next couple of years. So he actually was kind of predicting that the sports card market was going to last maybe 10 years. Whereas if you listen closely to what Gary V said, he said sports cards was going to be a good alternative investment for the next three to five years. So in actuality, Vegas Dave had kind of a longer time frame originally on when the sports card market was maybe potentially going to top out. Whereas Gary V kind of, you know, categorized his statement that saying it might top out in three to five years. Just thought that was kind of interesting. Also, I am the first person in the world to let you know and to predict the market will crash by the end of 2024. The issue I have with Gary is that we both have millions of dollars in the industry. I don't care what people say. I'm raw. I'm real. I'm not here to make friends. I'm here to give you advice. Gary can't tell you now after pumping cards every single week and every single month, uh, it's going to crash, get out. It's like me selling picks to you and saying, buy my picks, but they're going to lose today. 
He's not going to do it. So the difference between me and Gary, and the issue I have with me and Gary, he says he's real, but he's not real. Gary, I know you're watching this right now. You're brilliant. I'm brilliant. Real recognizes real. You know the market's going to crash. We both know it. When you lay your head on your pillow every single night, you know Vegas Dave is right and you're wrong. And now Vegas Dave kind of plays a, a like a, a boxing simulation where he puts his head on one and, and Gary V's on the other and they kind of box in the video. And look, Vegas Dave is a creative marketer, okay? I think he's picking a little bit on Gary V here because he knows that's going to get views. It's going to get attention. It's going to get Gary V's fan base over onto his video. And whether you press the thumbs down button on YouTube or the thumbs up button, I'm here to let you know it doesn't matter. The same thing here on the Sports Card Show podcast. There are lots of you that are listening that'll leave a one-star review, that'll hate on the show, that'll go to my Facebook page, go to my Twitter page and spend half your day saying how stupid and idiotic I am. It doesn't matter. You listened, you tuned in. Okay. And the same thing is true on YouTube. And that's kind of what I think, uh, Vegas Dave is doing here kind of egging on Gary V. I don't necessarily, I, you know, look, Gary V over the last year or two has certainly been pumping and pumping and pumping trading cards. Um, but I don't necessarily think it's anybody's job to pump something, but then also tell you, Oh, look, be, you know, be careful, be careful. Would that maybe be the honorable thing to do? Would that be what some people in the Avenue that some people take? Sure. But you look, you know, you go to a used car salesman, you go to a real estate agent, go find me a real estate agent. That's going to tell you, Oh yeah, the housing market's going to crash. Don't buy a house today. You know, that's just, you know, the, the market that we're in with trading cards, really any market out there, you have people that kind of pump it up. Up, and then you have people that talk it down to talk out of both sides of your mouth. I actually think is a bad strategy. I think you should pick one or the other. You know what I mean? Like talk up the industry and be a butt kisser and lick its nuts. Okay. Or just talk shit on it and bash it. Okay. What have we done here on the sports card show program for the last couple years? Just talk shit on the companies on PWCC, PSA, Tops, Beckett, Panini, pretty much anybody. I mean, God, the list goes on and on. And look, the notoriety that this show has gotten the downloads, the, the, you know, everything uh, has kind of spoken for itself. Okay. So pick one side, either ass lick the industry or, you know, try to kick the industry's ass playing it down the middle or talking out of both sides of your mouth. I don't think is an effective strategy. And a lot of you people in the sports card industry are saying, I'm going with Gary. Gary hasn't been wrong yet. Let me remind you, not only has Gary been wrong, every entrepreneur has been wrong, but don't forget Gary was wrong on Uber and Gary was wrong in Netflix. I was gonna buy unbelievable amounts of Netflix stock three years ago. I didn't call him back, never did it. I passed on Uber twice. Had I wrote a $25,000 check into that company like I did the other companies, It'd be worth $300 million. So here's just a little bit of investing advice, okay? This is one of the things I talk about on my investing channel on YouTube uh, quite a bit because I get a lot of questions about a lot of different stocks. And quite frankly, there's a lot of stocks where I'm like, hey, I wouldn't invest in this stock. And sure enough, that stock will go up. And so I'll get comments on my channel. Hey, you should invest in this one. 
create a system when you invest. It's just like buying trading cards, okay? If you if if you're trying to get out there and be a collector and you're trying to pick every single winner in basketball and football and hockey and baseball and and soccer and Pokémon and you're trying to be Mr. Everything, pick every single winning investment in every single sport, guess what? You're probably going to lose at everything instead of really pick the right winner. So, what I would advise, especially when it comes to trading cards, but also with uh, stocks as well, or really anything is find your lane. Okay. And may, and maybe this was taken out of context with the Gary V quote saying, Hey, I didn't invest in Uber. I didn't invest in Netflix. Well, what, you know, what investors really should do is, Hey, he didn't put $25,000 in Uber that might've turned into whatever 4 million or 20 million or whatever it is. Well, what did he do with that $25,000? Did he go to a strip club and just blow it? Well then, yeah, he, he totally lost money. But if he put it in Amazon or if he put it in Tesla or put it in another startup that sure enough, maybe it doesn't get to 20, 30, 40, hundred million dollars, but it gets to 5 million, 6 million, 7 million. Then is it that terrible of a trade-off? So that's number one. Number two is we should all try to pick our lanes, try to pick a strategy, get a system going. Okay. What's your system for buying baseball cards? Again, if you're just out there buying every single release that tops makes every single release that Panini makes sure enough over the last six to 12 months, it's probably worked out pretty damn good for you. But, uh, you know, those of us that have been in this hobby for a really long time know that that's not necessarily the case and likely not the case going forward. So pick a system, pick certain players, certain types of players, certain playing styles, whether it's the NBA or baseball, uh, players that play on certain teams, like maybe in major markets or, or something like that, or pick certain times of the year to buy cards. Maybe you're loading up on soccer because the World Cup is coming up. Maybe you're loading up right now on football because the season just ended. Maybe you're loading up on second year cards because the first year is kind of rookie hype. Second year, some guys kind of come back down to earth, but you might be able to get some good value there. Maybe you're buying players that are injured that you think that might be coming back. Maybe like a Clay Thompson or there's probably guys in the NFL kind of in the same boat. So pick a strategy and stick to it and don't worry about missing out, okay? I think so many people have that FOMO, a fear of missing out, especially when it comes to the stock market and trading cards, that they want to try to be everything and be everywhere, and they end up being, you know, kind of mediocre at everything instead of kind of picking one lane and being really, really good at it. So that'd be kind of my advice on that. And Gary's going to be wrong on sports cards too. And here's another issue I have with Gary that I don't agree with. He's predicting the 86 Fleer Jordan's going to hit a million dollars. He's wrong. It's gonna go for over a million dollars, 1.2, even more. And all you sheep in the industry are gonna get excited because you think the market's exploding, but you should be terrified. So this Vegas Day versus Gary Vee issue came upon because I made a simple post on social media, the market will fall apart by the end of 2024, just like the subprime mortgage industry did. Within minutes of that post, big auction houses, big dealers, big investors asked me to take the post down, why? Because they agreed with me the market's gonna crash, but they said it's booming right now. They wanna make as much money as possible. These are the same people you guys are praising for making the market flourish and bringing the market to an all-time high, but they're playing you guys. You're praising them and hating me for telling you what they don't want you to know. 
that the market's inflated, it's going to crash. So a couple of things to unpack there. He talked about how the Michael Jordan card, how he thought it was going to go for over a million dollars. And I, I, I tend to agree with that. If you look at the price action of Michael Jordan cards, really just over the, not just the last year, but literally the last like four or five weeks, Michael Jordan cards have been just skyrocketing in value. And I don't necessarily think we've seen kind of a floor price there. And so, but he said we should be like terrified that if it goes for that much, that it means the market is is going to, to crash again. Again, people probably said the same thing when the Michael Jordan card sold for 200000 or 300000 or 400000 What if the Michael Jordan card starts to say, and I'm talking about like maybe a PSA 10 or a BGS 10, uh, you know, rookie 86 Fleer rookie card. What if that card starts to sell for two, three, four, five million dollars? Okay. What if that starts to happen and then the market crashes? This is what we talked about at the beginning of the show, that Vegas Dave might be a profit here. He might be correct, but what if he's not correct? about picking the top okay what if the top is 1.2 million dollars and it crashes down 60 70 percent back to where those michael jordans were trading at say a year ago or two or three years ago then yeah maybe you can consider that a very very big correction but if the michael jordan rookie card goes up to two million three million dollars and then corrects 20 30 40 percent sure those people that bought at the top at that peak We'll feel some pain, okay, to lose 20, 30% on three or four million dollars. Typically, those people are going to have lots of money. They're probably not going to feel a ton of pain at that point. But will the rest of the sports card industry just be terrified that a four million dollar card is now a 2.8 million dollar card? I don't know. That's still quite a bit of money. So, whether or not Vegas Dave is correctly predicting the upside that is to come. Before the downside, I think is debatable. And I think someone could definitely challenge him on that. Now, the other point is that he put up a, a post on social media that had a negative take on the industry. And certainly I can speak to probably out of everybody in the industry, I can speak to putting up a negative take in the industry and having a bunch of little ball lickers and card, card fondlers come after you and say, oh my God, how could you say that? Take that down. I'm going to sue you. How many times have some motherfucker has tried at, you know, you know, convinced himself that he was going to sue me. Okay. I could run down four or five names. I've had some dumb fucks even send over some lawyer like legalese acting like they were going to sue me. And I'm just sitting there laughing my fucking ass off because I know the laws in the state of California are lock, lock tight on whatever I decide to say on this podcast. Okay. I can say almost anything on this podcast and the things that I won't say, uh, you know, probably shouldn't be said anyways. So, you know, you're going to if you're going to put up a negative take on the industry. Sure. All these fucking dumbasses from the auction houses to the bloggers to the podcasters. All these guys just lick the fucking balls of the industry. So, yeah, they're going to be, you know, be sensitive. I've had upper deck you know, say that they were going to sue me. I've had Panini say they, they were going to sue me. I've had tops threaten me with, uh, you know, empty threats because they didn't, weren't giving me anything. They were threatening me. I've had breakers threaten to sue me. I've had pretty much everybody in this industry said that they were going to sue me when I've said something negative. So certainly when the things are going well and you start putting out a negative take, these guys are really, really fucking sensitive because they're fucking little babies. And the other thing that I know that even though the market is super, super hot right now, 
Do you see a lot of these guys driving nice cars? Do you see a lot of them driving, you know, really, really fancy cars, going on nice vacations, wearing nice watches, talking about the things that they do? No, because these guys really aren't making a lot of money, even in today's market, believe it or not. The reason why this market's going to crash is from overly inflated prices on certain cards. Let me give you an example. The Michael Jordan rookie, the Steph Curry rookie. Steph Curry National Treasure rookie was $20,000, $30,000 two years ago. He didn't even play last year, and his card just sold for $980,000. Does that sound right to you? Michael Jordan's 86 Flair rookie, 30 grand, 40 grand for years. The last dance happens, jumps to 100 grand. That makes sense. Then it goes to 200,000, 250,000, and this last week it goes from 250,000 to 730,000. Does that sound right to you? Let me ask you guys a question. If I'm 160 pounds for three or four years straight and I leave social media for a month, no one sees me, I come back a month later, I'm 240 pounds, shredded, ripped at 4% body fat, what are you gonna think? You gonna think that's natural? Are you gonna think these muscles are real? You're gonna think no, it's steroids, growth hormone. Something unnatural happened to cause my body to change that fast in 30 to 60 days. Same thing with cards. How can you think these are real card prices that are going on in the industry? So Vegas Dave brings up a lot of great points there, especially with the Curry because he, he like he said, he was injured and his card has gone up. Now Curry's playing at a really high level. I've watched uh, several Warrior games already and he's looking great. He's looking like an MVP candidate to me. Looks Once he's healthy, obviously we know the kind of player that he is, but he brings up some good points. He also talked about the Jordan, but here's the deal. This is happening in so many other markets. Look at GameStop stock the, uh, like a few weeks ago. What the fuck did GameStop do to make its stock go from like $10 to $300 in a few days? Look at Nokia and BlackBerry and all the stocks that were trading at crazy prices. Okay, markets are weird like that. Markets are not, people think, oh, markets are efficient. The stock market's super efficient. The trading card market's super efficient. No, it's not. It's a fucking market. It has like, emo there's people with emotions. There's money flowing in and there's money flowing out. There's supply and demand and there's no single person kind of controlling that. And also what doesn't control that is rational thinking as well. And we've just seen really over the last year or so with this whole coronavirus thing, crazy things have like gone up. Okay. Like, you know, the stocks and business, like look at housing prices. Okay. When, when the coronavirus hit, I was like, man, you know, what's going to happen to the housing market? You know, not that I'm into buying houses or anything, like buying or certainly not selling houses. I did buy a house over the last six months, but I'm not into selling houses, but man, the market for houses went fucking crazy. Okay. Look at Bitcoin over the last year. What the hell does Bitcoin do? Okay. And then look at the stock market too. We have unemployment record highs. We have record national debt. We have just all these things go, you know, people are staying at home. There's just all this bad stuff happening in the economy. And you look over to the stock market and it's fucking booming. Okay. So weird, weird stuff happens. And to sit here and try to put your finger on it and predict it and say, well, it doesn't make any fucking sense that Stephen Curry cards are going for 100,000. It doesn't make any sense that a Michael Jordan card goes for 100,000. Well, guess what? The market could, you know, be irrational for much longer than your rationale will make any sense. And so, you know, like I've said several times here on the show, the Steph Curry cards could be $3 million this time next year, okay? Like, it, and they could be $30 next year, okay? There's just a lot of things that uh, could happen 
sitting around and trying to predict the timing of it, I think is difficult. I give Vegas Dave credit for trying to do it though. What I'm gonna share with you next, only a small group of individuals know about this in the card community. These individuals are causing the inflation of prices and these individuals are what's gonna cause the industry to crash. I'm trying to protect you guys. Remember, I still have millions of dollars invested in the industry. I wanna protect the market. See, when the pandemic hit last year, the stock market started to fluctuate. And at that same time, my Mike Trout rookie sold for $4 million. People from the stock market industry now saw the card industry not only as a hobby, but an opportunity to make money. So they had to diversify their portfolio. So you started seeing real big money coming from the stock market into the card industry. You would think all this big money and new money coming from the stock industry into the card industry was a great thing. But what you don't know is that these individuals brought over their same stock market mentality and practices, which is gonna end up crushing the market. Traditionally, if someone bought a $100,000 card, that would be the real actual value of the card. See, what's going on now in the industry is that certain people are buying big ticket cards and selling percentages and shares of that card to individuals in the market. Now, a person that could never afford a $100,000 card can now own a piece or a share of that card and feel like they're a part of history. And this, what I'm explaining to you right now, has never happened in the market before until the last few months. For example, if I buy a $100,000 card, I would sell 25 shares of it at $10,000 a piece to people around the world. Just like that, the card goes from 100,000 to 250,000 and I make money. Once I receive my money, I then put the card for sale online, but I have one of my friends or buddies in the small community buy that card for $250,000. And what happens? The whole industry gets excited. Card value more than doubled. The investors get paid back their money. Everyone's happy. The card market's booming. And they repeat this over and over and over again. Sounds amazing, right? So again, a fair, fair amount to unpack here. So first thing that Vegas Dave said was uh, that investors are coming over from the stock market into the trading card market and bringing that mentality over there. First thing I'd like you to do is pull up a, a you know a stock chart of the S&P 500 or the Dow Jones Industrial Average and pull it to max. So some of them might go back to the 70s or the 80s or even you know maybe farther than that. And look at the shape of that graph, okay? Don't pay attention. There's you probably can't even see any down movement on that graph when you max it out to the max. Okay, the bottom line is if you had a buy and hold mentality in the stock market for the last 30 years, you would be absolutely filthy rich. If you've had that mentality just over the last 12 years, like I have, you wouldn't be filthy rich, but you'd probably be doing pretty good. You'd probably have a Rolex or two yourself. So the the bottom line is that the stock market does tend to just continue to go up and up while there are corrections, there are quote unquote crashes and things like that. As long as you have confidence in that market, then it tends to go up. Whether or not that'll happen with trading cards, I don't know. Now, the second point he brought up is that fractional, the people are buying like fractions of cards. So people are putting up, there's websites out there where they put up a, a Wayne Gretzky rookie or a Jordan rookie or whatever it is. And you can buy a piece of that. And then what happens is, is then, you know, they go to eBay or whatever and bid up the next couple auctions and everybody feels like a genius because they bought a fractional share at 10 or 20 or $30 and now it's worth 40 or 50 or $60. And uh, so the fractional stuff is 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 kind of new to the trading card market and whether or not it's going to contribute to the crash of it, 
I don't know. I think I'd rather lose a $20 fractional investment than if I saved up my pennies and put the whole thousand or $10,000 in. Market manipulation has been happening for a long time. Okay, market manipulation in the trading card business happens not just on the single card. We actually see it in the unopened box market for a long, long time because distributors have kind of a tight hold on that. Now, it's kind of been broken up a little bit with the companies like Tops and Panini selling a little bit more direct to consumers. But boy, the distributors have a complete control over the supply of unopened wax products and they can drive up the pro pro price of a product very easily and very quickly with not a lot of manipulation, okay? There's not that many distributors out there. There's not a lot of places to get this product. And certainly if you go ask a group breaker or anybody out there that's been in this business long enough, that's buying unopened product, they'll tell you that this market manipulation on the pricing of that product has happened for a very, very long period of time. Now, obviously the same thing has happened with trading cards. Are we seeing it on a grander scale, more collusion, more, you know, tightness? Certainly we're probably seeing that. Obviously we've had like Bill Mastro. He was, uh, you know, sentenced, I think to, I don't know if he went to jail, but he, he got sentenced to kind of a white collar crime for shill bidding. So we've seen it with these major auction houses. I'm sure it's gone on with uh, virtually every single auction house that's out there from Mastro's to Golden to all these places. I would almost 100% bet that, uh, you know, Shill bidding has happened. Market manipulation has had that. Now, the eyes are on the industry a little bit more. We're starting to get to values of some of these cards that are certainly far more expensive than they were maybe two, three, four years ago, or even maybe four, five, six months ago. But that doesn't necessarily change things. It's just the values tend to be a little bit different now. But this is the reason why sports cards are overly inflated right now. Remember the Michael Jordan card that just sold for $738,000? The Jordan card was 30, 40,000 for years. Bumped up to 100 grand from the last dance. I understand that because the last dance influenced a lot of people to get back in the industry and collect Jordan cards. But then it went from 150, 200, 250,000, all the way up to $730,000 within two weeks. How is that possible? You still think these values are real? Curry. Curry's card was thirty dollars to $40,000 for years as National Treasure rookie. He didn't even play last year, comes back this season, we're not even two weeks in the season, and his card sells for $980,000. Does that sound real to you? So now Vegas Dave is, is kind of, uh, you know, switching his argument a little bit. He's saying that trading cards are going to crash in four or five years. Now he's talking about how the prices are overinflated right now. And, you know, look, Tesla stock a year ago or in the last 52 weeks was at $70 split adjusted that those same stock, that same stock trades for over $700 today. OK, you can look across the stock market. There's plenty of examples of stocks that just a year ago, six months ago, were trading in a very small amount of money and have done literally nothing, may have lost business, may have lost money and their stocks have skyrocket. We've seen the same thing with real estate. OK, I've been involved in the real estate over the last six months, purchased a property. When I was out there looking for property, I started looking home prices, I think were at like $150 a square foot a few weeks later. Okay. This is when the height of the pandemic during the summer, a few weeks later, houses in the exact same area were starting to sell for three hundred dollars for a square foot. Okay. People were coming and buying houses sight unseen not even looking at them, not even intending to have it be their main home to live in. 
Okay, so markets can go crazy and to sit here and, and try to rationalize them, I think is a difficult game to play. Now, it doesn't mean that we need to just sit back and drink the fucking Kool-Aid and say, well, the Jordan went from 100,000 to 750 to 1 million. It's going to go to 10 million. Okay, can we sit back and drink that Kool-Aid? Are some of you going to do that? Certainly you could do. But I don't think the other side of that is to say, well, the market's cr going to crash. It's way over in Inflated. I'm going to stay on the fucking sidelines. You heard Vegas Dave say himself, he's still got like a million dollars in trading cards. Whether or not I believe him, I don't know. Gary V probably has a million dollars or maybe even more in the trading card market. If they really thought it was going to crash, if they thought in values were super inflated today, wouldn't they try to go and sell those? Okay. No, they're not. They're not liquidating all their cards. He has, he even said it on, in, on this program that he's still holding Derek cars for like another the three or four years when Derek Carr is probably going to be in his mid thirties and how many mid thirties quarterbacks are collected really well in the NFL that are not, that haven't won a super bowl, don't have incredible stats, like maybe like a, a Drew Brees who won a super bowl and has incredible stats or like an Aaron Rodgers who has great stats and has won a super bowl and, and almost made another one this year or like a Tom Brady who's won like fucking every super bowl for the last 20 years. So his argument in some, it's getting a little spotty in my opinion. And by talking about how these cards are overinflated, that now we're talking about your opinion. Obviously, we're talking about his opinion, saying that uh, you know anybody can say the, the housing market or the stock market or or trading cards is going to crash in a couple years. But you got to back that up, I think, with more than hey, look, the cards have gone up too too much too fast. Look, fucking everything has Dogecoin and Bitcoin and all that. There's just so much stuff, let alone the watch game. I mean, good Lord, there's Rolex watches and there's Audemars PA watches and Richard Mille watches that have gone up a fortune over the last few months, six to 12 months. And it makes no sense at all with where unemployment numbers are, with where, you know, business wise, everything is. It's just a confusing time right now. And I think to sit around and predict the top and the bottom of it is a difficult game to play. Here's the issue. When one of these individuals from the small part of this card community decides to pull out, they made enough money, guess what? Once one pulls out, another one's gonna pull out. It's gonna be a domino effect. When all these investors pull out, these overly inflated prices of a million dollar cards will go right back down to under $100,000 You'll get stuck holding the bag and the sports card industry will be crushed. So Vegas Dave is basically speaking in those sentences where he talks about investors pulling out of their money and card values tanking. He's really talking about the person that is trying to make money in this business. And look, that might be the majority of you listening. That might be the majority of the hobby right now. But I know there's a lot of people either listening to this podcast right now or that are part of this hobby that do not like these high prices, do not like being able to go to Target and not being able to find any product, not being able to go to Blowout. And I think like Prism boxes are like $1,000. NBA Hoops boxes, which are normally like $80 or $90, are like $1,000. Like every single product is just so expensive. And so maybe a reset is actually good. The same thing kind of, you can look at real estate. Look, it's great if you own a home and your value's going up and you're looking to sell or looking to refinance or cash out refinance, whatever it is, then it's great when the market goes up and the values of the house going down. But what if you're trying to get into the market? What if you're trying to rent? 
Okay. It just squeezes your neck even further. So there's two sides to the market. Okay. And we also see that there's opportunity seekers whenever a market corrects. Okay. We saw that in the stock market this year or this last year when the market crashed in March, I thought for sure the whole rest of the year was just going to be a buying opportunity. I thought this was going to be the buying opportunity of my lifetime. I had cash. I was liquidating. I was like, this is going to be great. I'm going to be able to buy stocks all fucking year at good prices, low prices because this damn coronavirus is going to keep stock prices low. Guess what? That lasted for like four days. Especially, I mean, I'm kind of exaggerating there, but like literally maybe four weeks. Okay. I thought I was going to have four months to buy stocks. No, that mother, the motherfucker stock market snapped back so goddamn quick. And it was over and above where it was before the crash in March. Like, in a matter of weeks, it's crazy. Now, obviously, certain stocks didn't necessarily recover, but the ones that I wanted to buy just absolutely soared and took off, and I didn't get as nearly as many as I wanted to. And so the same thing could happen with trading cards. Okay, look, the Michael Jordan can go to a million, two million, whatever it is. The Curry could go to 900,000, and then they could correct 40 or 50%. Well, guess what? Maybe guys that are sitting on the sidelines right now, maybe some of them actually have some money. Maybe some of them are like, I don't want to jump. I want to get into trading cards, but I don't want to get in when the momentum is just a breakneck kind of like a ski slope type hockey stick type formation on the price chart of these trading cards. I want to get in on a pullback. So that remains to be seen too. That would be, in my opinion, a sign of an extraordinarily healthy trading card market. In fact, that's a sign of extraordinarily healthy market anywhere. First of all, not necessarily big hockey stick kind of run-ups in card prices and real estate and, and stock prices. That's not necessarily healthy, but then having a correction and having new money kind of step in that was on the sideline or maybe in there, not a hundred percent step in. That's actually a sign of a healthy market. And I don't think we've seen that yet with trading cards. So if we see a correction, does new money come and step in? Do the new reinvigorated collector or the new Gary V type collector or the follower or whatever, do they step in at that time? Or does the guy that's been collecting for 20 or 30 years that is basically priced out, remembers being able to get packs of tops for two or $3, being able to go to Target and Walmart and getting whatever they want or going on blowout and getting things on sale and things like that. Well, maybe that buyer ups his spend as well. Whether or not that materializes, we'll see. But there's more to the market than just big guys pulling out and the price is declining. Price decline sometimes creates a new market that brings in new invest, quote unquote, investors, or in this case, maybe collectors. So not all these recorded prices are all fake sales. However, most of them are from inflation, but some are real. But here's the issue with the real sales of these big ticket cards. With all these cards being sold at all these record prices every week and every month, it's become an ego war now with people with money. Who can one up the other? Who can get this card? Who can pay for that card? So they're already boosting card prices that are overly inflated in the first place. These new investors with big money are treating cards like a commodity that is gonna continue to go up with inflation. But they had never been around to see the ups and downs of the sports card market. They haven't experienced cards losing value and dropping in prices. Now some of these sales are real, the majority are inflated. Now I know a lot of you are gonna tell me that you saw in person cards at your local sports card shows sell for four or $5,000 that were once four or $500 that you saw with your own eyes. So you have to believe these sales are real. Yes, those transactions are real, but what you're missing is what's going behind closed doors that the whole market's inflated all the way from the top, so it's bringing all these card prices from the bottom 
all the way up to mid-level to high-tier prices. Again, the whole community is affected by the people at the top, that small community, selling shares of cards, inflating the market. So now he's he's making some good points here that the because the Michael Jordan goes for a million, that means a Jeter rookie's got to be worth this much or a Magic Johnson rookie's got to be this much or a Jerry Rice or a Joe Montana or a Dan Marino or whoever it might be. As you see inflation at the top, then it kind of pulls up all the secondary values as well. I think there's a couple arguments that you can make to maybe counter this is first of all, maybe all those cards underneath those big cards were already undervalued, okay? It could be the case that a Jeter card that has been selling for the same price for the last five to 10 years, maybe it should have been worth more. Maybe these Jordan cards, maybe they should have been worth more. And then when he talks about like these big time investors and how they've never experienced the market going down, I don't necessarily think somebody worth 30 or $40 million. And let's just say that that's a guy that's in the, in the trading card business, or maybe probably less. That's really, really wealthy. Maybe somebody with like two or $3 million kind of net worth. They have their house, they have their cars, they have their watches, they have their boat or whatever it is. And now they're starting to dabble in trading cards. Are they really worried about the market going up or down? Are they really worried when it's like he said, like it's kind of like a penis kind of like flex, like, I oh, I bought the Jordan for a million. Oh, I bought it for one two point two million. Do you really worry if you're mega rich that it goes down? Do these guys do that with their yachts or their helicopters or, you know, their space rockets or their Ferraris or their Porsches? Not really, right? Okay, the same thing happens in, in anything. You know, when you go, when these guys go buy out the new fancy McLaren or the new brand new Ferrari or Lamborghini or whatever it is, they know when they buy it, a couple years later, it's going to be worth less. They're just buying it to flex. I think the better argument to be is what happens when buying a sweet card is not a flex? Like, will it? when will be the day when you can show a Michael Jordan on social media or show a Luca or show a Fernando Tatis or a Mike Trout when that cannot be a flex, like a Ferrari, like a nice watch, like a nice house or a nice private island or whatever it is? Will that happen? Okay. Have cards crossed over to that point where now it's a flex where you don't give a fuck if it goes down in value. Like these guys that I like buy like a $50,000 Rolex and then they ice it out. They're actually like devaluing that watch nine times out of 10. They don't care. They just think it looks cool and that's what they want. And so if you think it looks cool to have the newest Michael Jordan or to have a Kobe or whatever it is, and that's what you think looks cool, whether it be on social media or to your friends or your social circle or whatever it is. Well, if that maintains itself, it really doesn't matter what happens to the value of these things? Because like I said, my Mercedes that I have has gone down in value. The th Some of the things that I have bought has gone down in value, okay? So not everything that we bought, you know, I'm, I'm a member of a country club now. I've got a brand new set of fucking clubs. I know, like PXG just came out with a new set yesterday, okay? The value of my clubs just went down in value, okay? But do I give a shit? Not really, okay? It's kind of a flex, okay? A lot of things in life are flexes, whether it's a pair of sunglasses or a baseball card. And as long as that maintains itself, as long and, and some of that is not necessarily in the hands of the flexors. OK, some of that is in the hands of sports itself, but also the manufacturers themselves. 
Can they market themselves? Okay, Rolex makes millions of watches a year, okay? They don't make as many as they do trading cards, but there's probably less high-end desirable trading cards made every year than a Rolex watch. But a Rolex watch is a flex, okay? And, and so it, it supply and demand is one factor, but we also have kind of this new age of social media where if these mega rich guys look at trading, having a trading card as this like thing that they can show off, well, look, it doesn't matter. Okay. Their yacht goes down in value. Their, you know, their cars go down in value. A lot of things that they buy, their jewelry goes down in value. The clothes that they wear goes down in value. Okay. They're not buying it for that reason. Okay. Are certain investors in the sports car business in here for that reason? Sure. But some of the mega, mega rich guys that have kind of really taken scope of the hobby, I don't think they're in this to make money. I don't think they really care. I don't think they need the money. Okay. I think they just want it as a flex and kind of a show off. So whether or not that has any impact on the hobby is certainly something worth monitoring. How can you tell me that a Kobe Bryant rookie just sold for $500,000 this week and it was never over $100,000, even at the pinnacle of his legacy when he passed away? How does that make any sense? How can you tell me that a Mahomes rookie is really worth 800,000 plus when it took over a decade before Brady's rookies hit over $800,000? That makes absolutely no sense. A guy that's been playing two years is gonna surpass prices of Tom Brady, who's the GOAT? That makes no sense at all. And this is all caused by inflated prices in the industry. And one final card that I have personal experience with Fernando Tatis, the dumbest investment in baseball. You're telling me a Fernando Tatis rookie, red refractor out of five, sold for a quarter million dollars. I bought my Mike Trout red three years ago for $180,000. How can you tell me Fernando Tatis, who played one season during a pandemic, 60 games, how it's worth more than the Mike Trout red refractor that I bought three years ago? Trout was playing for almost a decade, the best modern day player in the history of baseball. 180 for his red refractor, Tatis a quarter million. How does that make any sense? Wake up people, these are all artificially inflated prices. Wake up. Okay, now he makes some fantastic points. I think the Kobe's understandable. I think there's a lot of people like me that are very sentimental about Kobe Bryant, and it's still difficult to, um, you know, still talk about what happened to Kobe. And so I think that makes a little bit of sense. The Mahomes thing is certainly confusing as well, considering how short NFL careers tend to be, and uh, certainly the longevity that someone like Tom Brady has had. It doesn't make any sense, okay? There's literally nobody in football that has ever done that, especially at his level. I think that goes without saying, and I think it goes without saying that Mahomes or nobody in the NFL will be able to touch what he's done, at least from a, a, a winning standpoint. Uh, I, I think I can confidently state that. Now, what he brings up at the end was how he compared his red refractor trout to Fernando Tatis, who I think he mistakenly said only played in the 60-game season. I believe uh, Tatis played a, at least a little bit in the year before that as well uh, because I think he has cards uh, going back to t either 2019 or 2018. So he, he's he had more than just the 60-game season uh, under his belt. And the time I've seen Tatis play plenty of times, okay, since I'm a San Francisco Giants fan, Tatis is a wonderful player, okay? He's a wonderful player. Whether or not he'll eclipse Trout in any sense, 
I would bet absolutely not. But again, in a market, you have people tend to do these wacky things. And look, what he, I think what Vegas Dave, he brings, he kind of compares and contrasts two different things, okay? A Kobe Bryant rookie, I believe, is completely different than a Patrick Mahomes rookie, okay? And a Patrick Mahomes rookie is completely different than a Tom Brady rookie, okay? And, but I think the comparison may be a little closer when you look at Mike Trout and like a Fernando Tatis since they play the same sport. And he was actually comparing two of almost the exact same card, like a Bowman Chrome Red Refractor that were autographed. So, you know, here's the deal. It could be that, and I actually believe this. This is actually something that I believe. I believe modern prices Lucas, Zions, Tatis, Patrick Mahomes, down the line, any of these kind of current, like last three or four year flavor of the week guys, I think those prices are absolutely insane. I would not, and my me personally, I've spent tens of thousands of dollars on trading cards. Over, believe it or not, I've spent tens of thousands of dollars on trading cards over the last six months. Over the last two or three months, I've sold twenty or thirty thousand dollars worth of trading cards. I've bought and sold lots and lots of cards over the last few months. I barely touch any modern stuff. I think it is probably a little overinflated, whether or not it's a bubble, whether or not it can keep going up, whether or not it'll correct itself. I don't know, but I personally think the the market for the Jordans, the Barry Bonds, the Bo Jackson, the Sammy Sosa's, the Mark McGuire's, the Magic Johnson's, the John Elway's, the Joe Montana's, I, I personally think that if a Tatis is worth a quarter million, let's just say the Tatis is worth a quarter million, and you don't necessarily have to look at the red refractor that sold, I don't know what he, he said it sold for, but it sold for several hundred thousand dollars. You can just look at, go look at it like a Topps update Tatis and see what that sells for and compare that and then look at what Lucas sells for and compare that to a Jordan. Compare that to, maybe not Jordan, but compare that to a Magic or a Larry Bird or a Charles Barkley or, you know, any, that Tim Duncan, any number of players. And that to me doesn't make a lot of sense. Okay. Especially when you look at these guys play, look at the situation that they're in and it's like, yeah, you know, James Harden would do that on that team. Uh, you know, Russell Westbrook would do that on that team. You know, uh, DeMarcus Cousins, if and when he was healthy, would have done that on some of these teams. Okay. Some of these teams are really bad and don't have a lot of talent on them. And these modern day players are cleaning up stats wise. You see that particularly in the NBA. Now, it's a little bit different in the NFL when you're talking about Mahomes, when you're talking about a Tatis who's on a pretty good team as well. And baseball is a little is more individual sport and less to do with who's around you. So I I think he brings up some really good point. I think modern car. I think we almost have two different arguments now. Okay, you have kind of the modern, and I think it's it's tough to call like Jordan vintage. Um, even though some people maybe younger than me would maybe refer to those cards as vintage, but um, you know, I, when I think of vintage, I think of Mickey Mantle and, and before that and Babe Ruth and things like that. Uh, you know, like that kind of like era, that '80s and '90s era, where those players are still fresh. On people like my like my eyes, okay. I still remember watching Michael Jordan play. I still remember watching Magic Johnson play vividly. Okay, I remember watching these guys play. And so when I see a Luca and I see a Zion and I see some of these play, and I, I remember Shaquille O'Neal and Co. I mean Shaquille and Kobe. I watched tons of their games. Okay, I don't see really anybody in the NBA 
especially of these like guys in their second or third or fourth year, like Luca and Zion, that they're not Kobe. They're not Michael. They're not Magic Johnson. Okay, I know that often gets compared by 20-something-year-old guys that never even saw any of those guys play. So I think you do have a little bit of a gap between the modern and kind of my era of, of guys, the Jordans and the 80s and 90 guys, and then certainly going back to Mickey Mantles and things like that. I think there's a better argument there. And whether or not we see a broad, like Vegas Davis kind of thinking a broad-based correction, okay, he's certainly seen that. Whether or not you see that, I don't know. I certainly could see that maybe on this modern-day stuff because they're making it. Okay, yes, they made a ton of this stuff in the 80s and 90s, but they're making a ton of it today, and I don't think we're seeing some of the caliber of players out there right now. Certainly, we're not going to see a Tom Brady out of what what we have to deal with right now. We're not going to see another Michael Jordan. We're not going to see another Magic Johnson. So I think those kind of arguments, you can start to make those, and they make a little bit more sense from a price correction standpoint point in the industry. And with this big surge in the market, you now see athletes, celebrities, big time influencers getting involved in the market and the industry. All this does is just add credibility to the sports card market. An average person that looks up to a celebrity and see that celebrity buying cards, that average person is going to follow the lead and jump in the sports card market. The whole market is hot right now because all this influence coming in. At the end of the day, all these prices and all this buzz is caused by those artificial sales at the top no one's talking about. And right now, all sports are being affected by this trickle-down effect. Now you're seeing people invest in all types of sports, tennis, golf, even Pokemon. Pokemon is garbage. That's the worst investment you can make. And also, stickers. This is a Michael Jordan rookie sticker. This is going for $55,000 right now. This was a couple thousand dollars for years. You know what I think about this? This is what I think about this. And this is what's going to happen to the sports card market. It's going to burn, burn, and burn hard. So Vegas Dave played a clip of him lighting a, a Michael Jordan Fleer sticker on fire. Whether or not it was a real one, I don't know. I thought it was pretty good content for YouTube. I think you should like cut that clip out and say, I burn a $50,000 card and put that on YouTube. Might get a couple hundred thousand views. Uh, you know. But what he opened the kind of segment up with was talking about how these influencers are, are getting paid by tops. I think Gary Vee's been paid by tops. There was the DJ, I think his name's Steve Aoki. He's been paid by tops to kind of promote some sets and make some sets. We've seen that more and more. I actually think that's a really effective strategy uh, by these card companies is actually not only get celebrities, but the athletes themselves to like think cards are cool. I actually think that was like kind of a missing piece. I'm pretty sure we've talked about that here on the Sports Card Show podcast in the past, how the marketing of these companies could have gotten better and actually seen over the last few years. It's definitely gotten better in that sense. And it is an extraordinarily effective strategy to have influencers and celebrities and, you know, people like that promote your products. We see that across every, I mean, every brand and everything that I'm interested in tends to have like a celebrity behind it. Okay. Nike just, you know, what the hell is a Nike t-shirt and a Nike pairs of shoes if it wasn't for Michael Jordan or Tiger Woods or, you know, LeBron James wearing them or Kobe, you know what I mean? So celebrity influence and those types of things, 
within this age of social media, that stuff's gotten probably even more important and even more noticeable. In the past, you had to run a commercial or, you know, was, I think it was a little bit more difficult to get in front of people. And now it's like, uh, you know, you're already following LeBron James or you're following the DJ or you're following Gary V or you're following somebody. And now all of a sudden they're talking about trading cards. And so it helps influence you. And so, uh, you know, the more that these companies can maintain that, the more they can keep this train rolling. Because like I said, Mercedes makes plenty of cars every year, okay? Rolex makes tons of watches every year, okay? Uh, you know, PXG makes tons of irons and clubs. Nike makes a bazillion amount of clothes, okay? Michael Jordan shoes are not rare at all, but they sell for insane prices, okay? They're not even very expensive to make, okay? They're probably maybe even cheaper than a trading cards in a lot of sense. But they sell for insane prices because of the marketing, because of the influence. Okay, Nike, a, a, a company I'm a super big fan of, a company I've owned shares of for a long time, but begin a lot, at least with their old CEO. They, they probably don't do it anymore. They have a new CEO. But with the old CEO, would always start every conference call with investors saying, we're a marketing company. We don't make shoes. Okay, yeah, we make shoes. Yeah, we make t-shirts and clothes. But first and foremost, Nike is a marketing company. I know for a fact I've talked about this on the Sports Card Show podcast. Okay, same with Panini and same with Tops. Okay, they basically just market the NBA. They market the MLB. They market uh, NFL football and other sports out there. Okay, and they're free to kind of market it. And they're not necessarily free in any way possible, but they have a lot of leeway to do that. Okay, probably more leeway than the way they can manufacture in a trading card is there's not a lot of new ways to do that. Okay, there's not a lot of new things you can do with a trading card. There's a plethora of things you can do to market that trading card. And I think the companies, especially Tops, has done a particularly good job of that. Over the last two years, getting influencers involved, using social media, things like that. I think the more that they can do that, they can maintain this maybe overinflated market for a longer period of time. Remember, nothing lasts forever. This reminds me exactly of the subprime market crash in 2007 when the U.S. economy got wiped out. This is not going to destroy the U.S. economy, but it will destroy the sports card industry and it will destroy the hobby because the trust is all gone. Now, after hearing all of this, any of you guys have any second thoughts? Who do you believe now, me or Gary? I do give Gary credit for one thing in particular. He did predict that the sports card market would boom after me, and he also said the sports betting industry would boom. These are the two top sectors invested. Guess who the king of both of them are? Me. Let me be clear, I want this market to flourish. I'm actively invested. I'm over a million dollars in the industry. No other distributor, no other big investor, no big auction house is gonna tell you the truth. Only I am. And the crazy thing is, is that you guys are giving these people so much praise for bringing the market back and having the market explode. Be, be these are the same individuals that are destroying the market and lying to you. I'm the one telling the truth and I only wanna do this so I can protect the market. Remember, it was me that predicted the market would explode. Many of you guys laughed at me back then. I'm gonna be the first one to tell you the market's gonna collapse by the end of 2024. I wouldn't laugh at me this time. So mark my words, the sports card industry will collapse by the end of 2024. And one more thing, a lot of you people in the industry are saying, I'm not gonna to listen to a guy who predicted the Saints to win the Super Bowl. 
Let me just remind you who's Gary's team. Let me get it out of the garbage can. The New York Jets, enough said. Okay, so yeah, he pulled out a Jets helmet there on video there. And uh, I don't know what rooting, you know, what football team you root for has anything to do with uh, how well you can predict the the trading card market. But Vegas Dave is kind of painting himself two different, you know, senses. He's painting himself as a prophet of predicting that the trading card market was going to boom. And now he's predicting, now he's painting himself as a saint saying, hey, you better watch yourself. These guys that are pumping up the market, the auction houses, the distributors or whoever, they're going to lose your trust and the whole market's going to collapse. And so again, we've, you know, what what side you pick here is kind of irrelevant. I think there's a lot of new people coming into the hobby and can those guys get left holding the bag? You know, some of this stuff that they overpay for, maybe Tatis, maybe Luca, maybe Zion, maybe even Jordan, maybe Jeter, whatever they decide to get into. Can they be left holding the bag? Certainly, yeah. Will it be the death or the destroy the hobby? Like I think that Vegas Dave said, you know, and he compared it to the subprime mortgage. Okay, sure. If you bought a house in 06, 07, parts of 08, did you feel pain for a long period of time? Sure. You probably had to foreclose or you probably had to, you know, go underwater on your house and wait a really long time to, to have it go back in value. But look what it did to hundreds of thousands, probably millions of people out there that that was their time to get into the market, become a real estate agent, start investing, buy more property, uh, or, you know, refine their strategy and things like that. Okay. You know, so sometimes when a market goes bad, it creates opportunity for other people to come in. And that's why I think it's more important for the industry, Tops, Panini, uh, especially those players in the game. And certainly you could look to the auction houses, the grading companies and things like that, and maybe, and maybe other people within this hobby. It's more about the marketing of the hobby. It's more about marketing of the cards, the collectability, the fun, the excitement, uh, the variety. I think it's more about showcasing that then, hey, this Michael Jordan that was selling for 200000 last year is now $1.2 million. Sure, that looks good. Sure, Darren Rovell will tweet about it. It might make TMZ, things like that. But in the end, the hobby is really large, and there's lots of people that are in this hobby. And I would actually guess the vast majority of people that are in this hobby are not in it to collect these cards and watch them go up and up in value. And I say that from experience on this show, I have, I mean, thousands of people have contacted me over the years and I've actually gotten to close with several collectors and fans of this show where we'll text, we'll literally text back and forth. Okay. And we'll forget emails. Now we're texting back and forth or they'll DM me on Twitter or on Instagram. Instagram or whatever it might be. And their attitude is, is often a little bit foreign to me. They're buying stuff and they're just holding it. They're just buying it and holding it. They're, they're just buying it and keeping it. They don't, yes, they look to see if it goes up in value, but if it goes down in value, will they sell it? Sure. Maybe, but they didn't really care at the time when they bought it. They just like to have this stuff. And, and I certainly know that uh, for a fact, just from my own sense, there are certainly things that I like. I like just to have, okay? I like to buy things just to have them. I like to buy stuff for my wife, whether or not she wears it or uses it. I don't care. I just want to buy it for her 
as kind of, you know, there's, there's a lot of different languages out there in the sports card hobby. Okay. Yes. You have the auction houses and the grading card companies and, uh, the manufacturers out there and the distributors and, and, and everybody in the blowout cards and things like that, that are in it to make money. But I would argue that a lot of those guys were probably making money and making decent money even when things weren't necessarily blowing up. Now that things are blown up, think about it, okay? Think about like a check out my cards. Check out my cards only, com- I wouldn't say only, but one of their primary competitors was eBay. Now look at it. Now there's StockX, there's StarStock, and there's obviously all the social media stock, all the social media sites where you can buy and sell cards these days. There's probably even sites out there to buy and sell cards, like Macari and things like that, where there's a lot of buying and selling of trading cards. Whereas before, it was really just eBay and really just check out my cards. So how much is that is kind of cut into their profit? Same with these auction houses, okay? You know, $1.2 million, you know, uh, Michael Jordan or Mike Trout card or whatever tends to go through these big auction houses. But how much more marketing are they having to do? How much marketing are they having to spend to promote these types of listings, okay? Probably more than they were in the past. Okay, so they're actually having to spend even more money to put these things out. Same with tops. Sure, they're making lots of money. I'm sure they're probably having lots of cards out there. But how much more money are they having to spend on outreach and and getting celebrities and getting influencers to kind of promote the products and promote the cards? Probably a little bit more than they were in the past. Certainly when we first started this podcast, 10, 12, it's actually 13 years. We're actually in our 13th year recording shows here on the sports card show podcast. So hopefully you guys enjoyed this episode. I know there's lots of you that have contacted me that, you know, obviously looking forward to, to more episodes and, uh, you know, to be quite, I, I'm just going to be honest with you guys. My guess is over the next couple years, we're probably going to have one to two, maybe three episodes a year. Okay. Not a quarter, not every couple months. I would guess a couple shows a year. We'll probably have a show like this where I find an interesting topic and I decide to sit down. Now it's probably a couple hours worth of my time to put into a show like this. We'll probably uh, do the national. My brother is, uh, whether or not the national happens this year, I'm not sure. Me personally won't be attending, but my brother seems very enthusiastic about going to the national. So we'll probably do at least one or two shows around the national, whether you know, maybe a pregame one, maybe one after during, and then maybe one after or something like that. And then maybe kind of a year end thing where we talk about some stuff that has happened. Obviously this is predicated on if there's anything really, really big that happens in the industry. Maybe I want to jump in here and, and talk about it. But, um, just over the last 13 years, when I first started this podcast, I remember sitting down at a really old, like compact computer with like one of those old school monitors. And I had a lot of time on my hands those days. I wasn't married. I didn't have kids. I didn't have a job. I didn't really have any money. I didn't really have a whole lot uh, going on during those days. Uh, Over the last 13 years, a a lot has changed in my life. And certainly over the last year, uh, I, I would say even more so. Okay. Um, so over the last year, I've really dedicated myself to, uh, my family, obviously, I mean, it's been more than that, but I have two young kids. I have two kids under the age of four 
My oldest will turn four here in a couple of weeks. I have another one that just turned two years old. I'm trying to spend as much time as I can with them because I, I, I look back on the 13 years of the short, Sports Card Show podcast and it, it went by so fast. I mean, I don't know where the time has gone. And I can imagine fast forward 13 years, I'm going to have a 17-year-old and a 15-year-old. And they'll probably be, if they're like me, they're going to be on their way out of my house. Okay, They're going to be wanting to get out on their own and explore the world. And so I'm going to want to cherish the time that I have with them. And so every moment of, of my time is very valuable, just like it is for you, I'm sure, as well. Uh, the other thing that's changed over the last year is my wife's not working anymore. And so uh, while my wife was working part time, that was a few thousand dollars a month uh, that was coming in. And so now the burden on making money uh, all falls on on my shoulders. And so I have to be uh, far more laser focused on while I'm, I'm certainly not hurt up for money. I've, I've been very blessed over the last few years to have saved money and, and saved it relatively wisely. Um, income could not come in for my family and we'd be able to survive for for a, a long period of time. Uh, so we're blessed in that sense. But at the same time, I have pretty expensive taste. Uh, you know, I've talked about the things that I like to buy here on the show. It's not just trading cards, um, but other things. And, and I'd like to continue that type of lifestyle um, going forward. And, uh, you know, it's just it's just been one of those years where you uh, I wanted to look back on 2020. I, I, I saw a lot of things at year end of 2020. People saying, oh, F 2020. I'm glad it's gone. Fuck this. Fuck that. 2020 was one of my best years ever. And, and guess what, guys? I got the COVID-19. I got coronavirus. I was locked up in my house for a month. I lost my taste. I lost my sense of smell. There was a day or two where I was, uh, uh, look, there's people that had it way worse than I was, but mentally, the you know, especially when you're my age where the, the chance of survival is 99.9%. But there are times when you're sitting there in bed and you're achy and you're, you're just, you're just thinking to yourself, man, I hope I wake up tomorrow and this doesn't get any worse. Okay. So I saw my wife have it. I saw my kids have it. I've had other people in my family have, have the virus. Uh, I didn't want to, uh, you know, and, and look, it, despite all that, okay. 2020 was my best year ever. Okay. When I stopped doing these podcasts, I think I had a thousand subscribers on YouTube. I was making 20 or 30 bucks a month, 20 or $30 a month. Now I'm approaching 80,000 subscribers. I'm making close to $10,000 a month. Uh, I'm going to get a plaque from YouTube. When you hit a hundred thousand subscribers, I'll probably hit that next month or the following month based on how things are going. And I'll probably clear well north of $100,000 on something I was making $30 a month on last year. And uh, it's something I'm very passionate about. And it's something, quite frankly, that is paying the bills now. And instead of sitting down and doing two hours, three hours on a podcast where I make no money, and quite frankly, a lot of you will come to my social media feed and, and, and hate on me or you'll email me or you'll DM me or whatever it is. Look, you should see the comments on my YouTube channel. They're so encouraging and they're and look, I know I I bring a lot of this on here on the on the channel. It's part of my persona. It's part of my my stick or part of my act here on the channel. Um but um and so I play a little bit different role on YouTube and try to be a little more helpful and try to be more of an instructor and more of somebody that's inspiring people out there. And it's certainly rewarding in that sense. And so uh, it's something that is far more rewarding financially. And quite frankly, it's more rewarding to focus on that uh, personally as well. And on top of that, I have children. 
I have to do, if I'm going to do these and my YouTube videos, I have to squeeze them in when I can. It's obviously a little easier now with my wife not working, um, but it's still uh, not, not an, there's just simply not enough time in the day to squeeze these in on these, on these trading card podcasts. Well, the show will stay up. I think it's $20 a month to keep the show up. That, that is, uh, you know, a small amount of money to me. And so the show will stay up. The website still makes lots of money. Um, so, uh, the, the show was, is not going to go anywhere, but do not expect any further updates for, I, I would guess until the national comes around and that's, uh, you know, five, six months away. So until then, I hope everything is going well for all of you listening out there. I hope the best for all of you always look on the bright side and be positive about everything. Okay. I know 2020 was a rough year, but look, if you are negative about it, you have control about how you think about this year. Don't let social media celebrities, people that you follow kind of influence you on that. Okay. Everybody's had tough times. Everybody's gone through bad things. It's what you make of it is the most important thing. So whether or not the trading card business goes up or down by the time we talk to you next, I don't know. We'll see what happens, but we'll be here at some point, some other time, some other place to talk about it. Thanks for tuning in today. We'll see you again. We are out of here.